Thank you for listening to the Alliance Church Podcast. We desire to connect you with God and one another, whether here in Wisconsin or around the world. Let's listen into this week's message. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are in a four-part series on the Holy Spirit. And today, I'm going to speak to you about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to listen carefully because, frankly, there is so much bad teaching on this topic, on what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's rampant. And by the way, I'm so glad that Pastor Brian decided to do this series on the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, whether you realize it or not, is the member of the Trinity that is most involved in a Christian's life. Let me repeat that. The Holy Spirit is the member of the Trinity that is the most, in, most involved person of the Godhead in a believer's life. The Holy Spirit is a constant, nonstop presence in your life if you're a Christian. You can't do anything without him. And one of the big reasons <clears throat> that the average Christian doesn't realize this is because of the bad examples and the bad teaching on the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Not by all churches, but by many. If you've been involved in not all of them, but in some extreme Pentecostal or charismatic churches, you can't help but be confused or turned off. I believe the Holy Spirit has been the most misunderstood, misrepresented, and blasphemed member of the Holy Trinity. And while we write books defending the Son and defending the Father, very few books are out there defending the Holy Spirit. And so the result is many Christians in Bible churches like this are confused. I have a woman in my office that, that it used to come into my office almost on a weekly basis, not anymore. Because she would come in all confused, coming from these kinds of churches about this doctrine and this doctrine, and she was always in, uh, upset about it and confused. And I said, why do you go there? Why do you keep going to hear that bad teaching? But she did. And finally, I just said, I can't help you anymore if you're going to keep listening to that stuff. That's the reason you're in such confusion. If you've been a, a part of these kinds of services, you might assume that the Holy Spirit is a kind of power that just knocks people down. He puts them on the floor, stunned, sometimes just by the preacher's hand. You might assume that the Holy Spirit extends arms and legs. People, makes people lose total control of their bodies. Their eyes roll back. The Holy Spirit causes people to uncontrollably laugh and roll on the ground. And I'm going to tell you what non-discerning people will do. They'll look at that and they'll say, oh, what power. It has to be of the Spirit. No, it doesn't have to be of the Spirit. I want to remind you the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. Listen, he said, many people will come to me on that day and say to me, Jesus, did we not prophesy in your name? 
Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform wonders and miracles in your name? And what is Jesus going to tell them? Do you remember? Go away from me, for I don't even know you. There's one question that should be going into your mind whenever you see some of this nonsense, and and the question you should be asking yourself is, would God do that? The Holy Spirit is God. He's not a God of chaos. He's not a, a God of chaos. He's a God of order. I don't believe any of that has to do with the Holy Spirit. And so many Christians shy away from even understanding the Holy Spirit or studying in the Scripture the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And even worse, they adopt that foolish doctrine and teaching. Well, we don't want that for you. And that's why I'm glad that Pastor Brian decided, let's do an extended series on the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, today, I'm going to take a piece of it. I'm going to talk about one of the doctrines that's the most abused, and that's the filling of the Holy Spirit. A.W. Tozer, who was an Alliance author, very famous Alliance uh, pastor, said this, the filling of the Holy Spirit should be the norm for every Christian. It's as easy, it's as, easy as breathing in and breathing out. Think about that. If Tozer is correct, and I believe he is, the average Christian should experience the filling of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. So let's see what the scriptures teach on the filling of the Holy Spirit. I want to break it up into three uh, points that might shock you. But uh, the three points are the timing of being filled in the Spirit. The second is the command of being filled in the Spirit. And the third point is the fruit. How do you know when you're filled with the Spirit? First of all, the timing of being filled with the Spirit. When is a person filled with the Holy Spirit? Answer, at conversion, at conversion. When a person is born again, that's when they are now, God the Holy Spirit enters into their body. They now are born of the Spirit. In John chapter 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, you're born once physically, flesh begets flesh. Spirit, capital Spirit, capital S, God the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life and gives birth to them spiritually. So when you're born, you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You can be baptized all you want. That's not going to give you the Holy Spirit. You can be confirmed all you want. That's not going to give you the Holy Spirit. It's when a person receives the Holy Spirit from God. When does that happen, Pastor? Well, we tell you this all the time. This is the gospel. Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, look what it says. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, Master, that's when you surrender to him, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So what is this saying? Two two things must happen for a person to be saved or born again. Number one, you have to believe. Believe what? Stop believing that your religion gets you to heaven. Stop believing that your good works 
get you to heaven. Stop believing that your own self-righteousness gets you to heaven, but only Jesus' death on the cross for you gets you to heaven. He died for your sins, past, present, future sins in one act. And when I stop trusting my goodness, my morality, my religious pedigree, and I put total faith in just Jesus' Jesus's death for me, I, ex- I believe that personally. And second thing it says in that verse, surrender. He's Lord. He's master. He controls my life now. When a person believes and surrenders to Jesus, God's answer to that is new birth. That's when you receive the Holy Spirit. Now listen, you receive 100% of them. He's a person. You don't receive 98 or 99. You receive all the power of God, all the fullness of God. In fact, the scripture says, the power that took Jesus and raised him from the dead and will raise you one day from the dead is that same power you receive when you receive the Holy Spirit. When is a person filled with the Holy Spirit? Answer, at conversion. When you're saved, you're filled with him. There is no second work of grace. There's no experience you have to have after you're born again, after you're saved. And yet so many of these churches teach that, that it's a post-conversion experience. The scriptures know nothing of that. There is no baptism of the Holy Spirit after conversion. That's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, There's a theological term for it. It's called baloney salami. (laughs) I was a a Christian about three weeks. I was not under the care of a Bible church or a pastor yet. I was a baby Christian. And I didn't know anything about the filling of the Holy Spirit or the person or ministry of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I was a believer. I knew that. God lived inside of me now. Uh, and so uh, a friend of mine uh, said to me, hey, I, who, was, who was also a believer, said, uh, there's a friend of mine who works on Wall Street, because I work near Wall Street. Uh, why don't you have lunch with him? So I have lunch with this guy. And he, he asked me, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I said, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. He says, well, let's go downstairs, and there's a private area there, and uh, I'll pray that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, okay, so we go down there, and he puts his head, uh, hands on my head, and he starts shaking it and talking in kind of gibberish, and then saying, uh, you know, Lord, give him, fill him with your spirit, fill him with your spirit. And I'm not feeling good during the whole process. I'm feeling like something is wrong here in my spirit. But I'm, here's what I'm praying. God... I'm open to whatever you want to do in my life. If this is part of it, I'm open to it. Nothing happens. He looks at me with kind of a pathetic look and says, well, you keep praying. I'll keep praying for you, and hopefully you'll receive it. Well, I left there feeling like a second-class citizen. There's something that I didn't get in my salvation. I don't have fully have the Holy Spirit. And in my spirit, it was so wrong that there was a church with a chapel. I went into that chapel. I prayed. Now, I never hear a voice. I never hear an audible voice. But I knew what God was telling me. Dennis, that's not true. That's not of me. Don't you let anybody ever think you have anything less than all of my fullness. You have everything you need. 
And I left there and I never looked back and I never let anyone do that to me again. Look at this verse, Ephesians chapter four. Or no, let's go to 1 Peter first. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, through the word of God and its promises, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That's saying everything I have, everything I need in life, I have in what? His divine power. What's that talking about? The Holy Spirit. Listen to me, Christians pray for power all the time. There's not some box of power in heaven that God gives you. He doesn't give power. He gives you the Holy Spirit and he's the power. And in him, in that divine power, I have everything I need. I don't need no post-conversion experience. There is no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit post-conversion. Ephesians chapter four, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one faith, one Lord, one what? Say it. Baptism. One baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Don't let anybody tell you that some Christians have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and some have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. All believers, according to the word of God, are baptized with the Holy Spirit at conversion. There is no baptism of the Holy Spirit, as if the Holy Spirit was doing the baptizing. What does the Bible say? The Holy Spirit doesn't baptize anybody. Jesus baptizes people with the Holy Spirit. He gives the Holy Spirit. Mark chapter one, here's the word. All, all of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan. Who's that talking about? John the Baptist. He's, uh, he had a baptism of repentance. His clothes were woven like uh, from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist for food. He ate locusts and wild honey. Uh, John announced, someone is coming soon who's greater than I, so much greater than I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. Now watch this. I'm gonna baptize you with water, but he, who's he talking about? Who's he talking about? Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The baptizer is always Jesus, who baptizes you, Christian, with the Holy Spirit when you are born again. That's when you become a child of God. That's when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You get 100% of him. That's the symbolism in water baptism, which, which we're gonna have the class on. Under the water, that old person dead and gone. Christ killed that person when I was saved, when I was born again. Up out of the water, I'm cleansed spiritually. I'm a new person in Christ, empowered, motivated with the fullness of the Spirit. Okay, that's the timing of the, of the filling. Now let's talk about the command, because it's, it's a command. Ephesians chapter five, verse 15. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, 
but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, interesting comparison, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, pastor, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit at conversion, does that mean I'm always filled with him? Now, I want you to pay attention. I want you to listen here. You have 100% of them, Christian. You have full power. You have full access to being everything God wants you to be, but it's also a command. Now, look at this verse here in John chapter 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house, Jesus is saying. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. The world, non-believers do not have the Holy Spirit. But you know him, Christian, because he lives with you now. Now listen, he's talking to the apostles. Pentecost has not happened yet. But he says he will live with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Here is what Jesus is telling his disciples. I will be leaving you soon to prepare a place in heaven. Where's Jesus right now? He sits at the right hand of the Father. What's some of the work he does? Well, he intercedes for us. He prays on our behalf. He mediates for us. But he also is preparing a place for us. It's pretty amazing to think about. But he says, you won't be orphans here on earth. The Holy, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will come after I've ascended to the Father, and the Holy Spirit, listen, will assume the role that I had with you. So Jesus is saying, I was your teacher, now he will be your teacher. I was your friend, now he will be your friend. I was your guide, now he will be your guide. I was your helper, now he will be your helper. I comforted you, now he will comfort you. I opened your eyes to the truth, now he will open your eyes to the truth. The Holy Spirit will step into the role that I had with you. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples. So question, are you Christian filled with the power of the Holy Spirit at conversion? Yes. Is he available at any moment to guide you, to comfort you, to lead you, to teach you, to help you? Yes. Now follow me here, listen. When you have the fullness of the Holy Spirit living in you, it is still possible to quench and grieve the Holy Spirit. It is still possible to quench him and to grieve him. Thus the command, it's a choice. Moment by moment, be filled with the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in, in Christ Jesus. Don't quench the spirit. Next verse. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not 
grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Pastor, what is quenching and what is grieving the Holy Spirit? Listen, they are two sides of the same coin. Quenching the Holy Spirit occurs when you resist what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. You're kind of putting out the fire. So, one of the things the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life, Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is our food. This is your spiritual food. When people say to me, I I read the Bible three days ago, you know, I don't have consistent devotions. I'm thinking, wow. I mean, didn't you understand? Didn't you understand what Jesus said? This is your food. It's It's like going three days without food spiritually. You have to feed on this every day. So the Holy Spirit desires that we feed on God's word so he can turn the lights on. And so we can know what truth is in a world that's consistently lying to us and apply it to your life. It's a protective thing too. He wants to counsel you. He wants to give you daily strength. He wants to make you a wise person. He wants to give you joy and peace and self-control. But you can resist all of it. Quenching is like putting out a fire. Quenching is what you do to the spirit and how he wants to work in your life. Now listen to me. Grieving is the personal anguish of the Holy Spirit. Grieving is the personal anguish of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit experiences grieving when you quench what he wants to do in your life. You quench, he grieves. He grieves because you quench. Put simply, quenching the Holy Spirit occurs every time you're operating according to your plans, your desires, your wishes in your power rather than the Holy Spirit's power. You quench the Holy Spirit by not feeding yourself on God's word. Why is that so important? Because that's the only place you're gonna understand what the will of God is. Because you don't have the mind of, you, you don't have the mind of Christ all the time because you're too busy sucking in what the world tells you. You need to have your mind transformed, the Bible says. How does that happen? Through the book. You quench the Holy Spirit by not trusting God and all the great promises he gives you in there. Uh, you know, listen, you can't go down Discovery Land's hallway. They, the kids have made it real simple for us in their tagline. You know what their tagline is? No right. That's where you begin. What's, what do you mean no right? You gotta go to, the, you, we don't know how to live. We don't know what the truth is. So you gotta go to the Bible and learn what the truth is, what God's truth is. So you know right, so then you what? Think right, so then you do right, and then you feel right. We got it all backwards. We're looking to feel good. We're not gonna feel good until you get the order right. You gotta know right, which means you need to be a person of the book, 
Then you will, God will transform your mind and you'll think right, then you'll do right, and then you will feel like, feel right. I mean, I had a, I had a buddy in, uh, I'll never forget this. I wanted to uh, go to Yankee Stadium and it was like my, my lifelong ambition to get a ball, to catch a ball in Yankee Stadium. So he said to me, then here's, I, I can get you, guarantee you, you're gonna get a ball. I go, wow, that's like amazing. But he says, not gonna happen during the game. You gotta go to batting practice. And he says, and I said, you can still guarantee me a ball? He says, absolutely. I said, wow, how? He said, listen, you, you know that one of the shortest uh, lines of all the parks in baseball is the right field fence. It's called the short porch in uh, Yankee Stadium, 314 feet away. And a lot of great home runs have been hit there. So he says, what you got to do, Dennis, you got to put yourself in position to get a ball. All, when, when they're up doing batting practice, they aim for that fence. You stand there, you'll get a ball. You know what? I went there, I got a ball. Why? I put myself in position to receive it. Let me tell you something, Christian. You want to live a life that's peaceful, that's joy-filled, doing the right thing, feeling the right thing, you got to put yourself in a position and you're not going to be putting yourself in a position unless you become a person of the book and get serious about this. Oh, God doesn't love me. He doesn't know what I need. Really? That's in the Bible? Listen, you can stifle what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through you by a lack of knowledge by a lack of obedience and trust. And when you do that, you're not what the Bible calls walking in the spirit. You're walking in the flesh, in your own power. But it's not a, not a problem of filling. The fullness of God is there. But you can choose to quench and grieve the spirit. Christian, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit any moment. It's like breathing in and breathing out. As you walk in obedience to the word of God, as you obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you will be energized in your life. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. You got it there. You got all the equipment you need. There's no post-conversion experience. Don't, don't pursue an experience. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not an I get zapped experience in my life or a feeling. The filling of the Holy Spirit in my life is a moment-by-moment moment resolve to die daily to myself, to, to renounce any self-sufficiency in Dennis Episcopo, and to yield myself to the Holy Spirit's sanctifying work in my life. John the Baptist said it best in John chapter 3. He said, he must become greater, and I must become less. Christian, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And every time you yield to his power, 
that's already inside of you, you experience the fullness and the joy and all the fruit God wants to have. God wants you to have as a believer. This is what Jesus talked about, abundant life. Abundant life is not some things like, oh, abundant life, I want abundant life. What's abundant life to you? Uh, you know, something significant to do, a good job, enough money to retire, bop, 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 bop. We go down the list. You know, what abundant, you know what Jesus promises you in abundant life? He gives you himself. He puts a spirit inside of you. That's abundant living. Let's talk finally about the fruit. We've talked about the timing. We've talked about the command. Let's talk about the fruit of being filled with the spirit. So what should you see in your life when you're walking in the fullness of the spirit? Pastor Brian touched on this last week. I'm going to give you two texts. The first one is Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you'll be doing what your sinful nature craves. So you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now, this is when you're not walking in the spirit. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as, I've, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life consistently will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces what? The kind of fruit in our lives like love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What should be coming out of you when you're walking in the fullness of the Spirit? Love, peace, goodness, self-control, joy, kindness, these kinds of things. By the way, they're not ranked. Someone has said it's like a bouquet of flowers. They exist all the time, and, and many of you have done the study on the Greek word. It's a singular word. It's, it's one fruit. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit with many characteristics. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, great, gentleness, self-control. And notice that one self-control. This, this is what we need to understand today. We need to know what the Bible teaches about self-control, okay? You don't get self-control by your own personal disciplines. I... I I think we need to be disciplined. I don't think we have enough discipline in our lives. But discipline itself, self-help books, therapy, whatever human thing you want to do to improve your situation and fix your problems has limited ability. The only power in the universe that can give you self-control that will work is the Holy Spirit. The ability to restrain passions Listen, that can be done only through the Holy Spirit's power. I won't have time for it. I would go into Colossians chapter 2, which talks about all the self-disciplines you can have. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And it says at the end on the last verse of Colossians 2, any of these things have no benefit in restraining sensual indulgence. All the disciplines in the world can't fix your issues. And again, I'm not saying it's not a good thing to be disciplined, 
It is, and to build holy habits into your life. But that's not what I'm counting on to save me from my passions. The self-control that I need comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's why I need to walk in his power and trust in his promises. The second text I would read to you is Ephesians chapter five, beginning with verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine. There it is again, the comparison, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then it's very interesting what follows. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and giving thanks for everything uh, God the Father, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Three things are mentioned there. What's the fruit of being filled in the Spirit? Joy, singing. I don't know about you, but I, I sing a lot. I mean, I do. I sing a lot to myself. I sing in the car. I sing a lot. It's just part of being joy-filled. And then secondly, there's a spirit of thanks in everything. Now, do we thank God for cancer? No. That's ridiculous. But we can thank God as we're going through that hard time and seeing all he's doing. He's at work when we're going through trouble. And then if you read further on, it's all about submission. That's a fruit of being filled in the spirit. You you read on, it says, wives submit to your husbands, the church submit to Christ, children submit to your parents, slaves submit to your masters. How do you know you're filled with the spirit? You walk with joy, you're giving thanks in all circumstances, and you're you're a person who submits. You're not a rebel. You're not declaring your rights all the time. Spirit-filled people are joyful, thankful, humble, and submissive. They don't have their own agenda. They don't want to dominate. Christian, this is how you are to live. And you'll be able to live that way as you cooperate with the Holy Spirit's promptings and power working in your life. So let me recap. I want to recap here very quickly here because it's important you get this. Number one piece of advice I have you is stay away from bad, false teaching of the Holy Spirit. I just uh, led a group to the Revelation churches, and if you read how Jesus judges the Revelation churches in, in Revelation 2 and 3, you'll see one of the biggest issues he has is some of those churches put up with bad doctrine. Stay away from it. Walk away. Number two, believe and surrender. You must be born again. When I pray in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Some of you, this might be your moment to believe and surrender. Do it. Make sure you're born spiritually from above. Three, make it a priority to read and study and memorize God's word. I cannot believe the amount of people I always ask, where's your head in the word uh, these days? And they go, well, geez, I haven't been that consistent. I'm talking about mature Christians. I've been a Christian a long time. It's just foolish not to build this into your schedule. I don't care how busy you are. Know right, so you think right, so you do right, so you feel right. It's your daily food. The Holy Spirit does not work in a vacuum. You gotta give him something to work with. Number four, practice the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is what the Bible calls walking with the Spirit. What is that, Pastor? Hey, it's just simply communicating with him, talking with him, 
involving him in your everyday activities, no matter how small it is, to, to, you could silently include him and talk to him and thank him and practicing his presence. And then five, look for the fruit. That's a gauge for you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, a thankful spirit, a submissive spirit. Now listen to me. Will you be showing that fruit all the time? No. We can be distracted. Our minds can shift away from God very easily. And at times, the Bible just flatly tells us, we're going to walk in the flesh. We're going to walk in our own power. The greatest Christian, and I think of, of all time, the Apostle Paul admitted this in Romans chapter 7. He says, sometimes I don't do what I know I should do. That's Romans 7. But if you quickly get to Romans 8, he writes, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He intercedes for God's people in accordance with his will. No, he says, in all of these things, we can be more than conquerors through him who loved us. Christian, the filling of the Holy Spirit is yours for the taking. Every day, moment by moment, it's easy as breathing in and breathing out. Don't look for some mystical experience. Don't look to get zapped by God. Read the word, study it, live in its promises, and the spirit of God will fill you for an abundant life. We're gonna close with one of my favorite hymns on the Holy Spirit. I've asked Danan to come and to lead us in it, and he'll come now and do that. But before he does that, I wanna pray with you, and I, I wanna read the two stanzas of it. Spirit of God who dwells within my heart, wean it from sin, though all its pulses move. Stoop to my weakness, mighty as you are, and make me love you as I ought to love. I ask no dream, no prophet ecstasies, no sudden, no sudden rendering of the veil of K, no angel visitant, no opening skies. Just take the dimness of my soul away. Bow your heads. Father, thank you for filling us with your Holy Spirit. We've learned, oh God, that it, if it wasn't for the incredible power and ministry of the spirit in our lives, who's active, who's active and present in our lives, we would all fall back into the deeds of our sin nature. The only way to live as a Christian is through the positive power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, please help us not to quench him, not to grieve him. Please, Lord, teach us to practice his presence, to feed on your word so he can lead us into obeying it, so we can be useful for your purposes. And Holy Spirit, please, please make us like Jesus in whose name we pray, amen.